Welcome back to the Nomi Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Nomi Podcast, where we explore the exciting and often challenging world of self discovery and self awareness. I'm Cynthia, a licensed mental health counselor. And I'm Madeline, a trained coach, and I also happen to be Cynthia's daughter. We're thrilled to have you with us today as we dive into another thought-provoking conversation on this journey to better understand ourselves and our desires. That's right, Madeline. Today's episode is all about a challenge that's both mystifying and universal, figuring out what we truly want in life. It's funny how we tend to zoom in on what we don't want or hope to avoid, but when it comes to pinpointing what we genuinely desire, we find ourselves a bit stumped. It's like trying to catch a butterfly, Mom. In today's episode, we'll uncover why we often focus on what we don't want, explore the reasons behind our struggles to define and discover what we really want, and share some tips and tricks to help bring those elusive butterflies of aspiration within reach. Oh, I love that analogy. So let's jump right in and explore the challenges, the rewards, and the potential for growth that comes with embracing what we truly want. Get ready to embark on an eye-opening conversation that may just spark a fresh perspective on your own dreams and aspirations. So without further ado, let's dive into this episode of the Nomi Podcast and catch some butterflies. Let's go. I have a curious question for you, mom. I love curious questions. Go for it. (laughs) What do you want out of life? Oh, good question. It's so funny that you're asking that question because I think about it a lot of the time, right? And I didn't do that all the time. I just started doing it, I would say, over the past three or four years when I was listening to a motivational speaker by the name of Mel Robbins. Mm. And and she was talking about dreaming. And I was like, dreaming? What does that mean? And so how she identified it was she said, it's really important for us to dream because that's where we get our laundry list of what we want. And some examples of what I want is I want to be in a meaningful community. I want to be a role model for my clients and, and of course, for the three of you guys. I want to learn new things and sort of challenge myself. I want to be able to financially support myself and my family. I want to be someone who is a resource. Mm. Yeah. Those are some beautiful dreams right there. How about you? This is a really good question. I'm actually going to add a little context of where my mind goes first. And it's with my don't wants. For a really long time, my impulse has always been to name don't wants. And I hear this with my clients a lot too, Mm -hmm. where if I think about what I want, my brain starts to to cross things off the list rather than it it wants to tell you that before it tells Mm -hmm. you what I want. So I'm going to not listen to my brain right now. So what I want, I want this podcast to flourish because I want to help people. I want to be helpful. I also want to be a resource. I want to be in conscious choice of everything I do. I want to be very awake in my life. I want to cultivate meaningful relationships. I also want to be part of a community, a meaningful community. And I want to connect with people who see the goodness in humans. That's really important Mm. to me. So values-based connection as well. But right now, my big want is 
joy and fun and happiness. I just want to feel a little less serious. <laughs> and I think you're touching on something that a couple of things you're touching on. One is why do we go to that negative place as well? Because mm. like I said to you, I really trained myself and it is training over the last few years, right? When this concept was front and center. This is what I say to my clients is that the negative bias that we have that keeps us safe. So thank you, negative bias. However, in 2023, we don't need the kind of safety we needed way back when. Mm. But so the negative bias is always going to get to the party first. And so we really need to train our brains, right, to at least pause the negative bias that got to the party first. There they are, right? They're at the door. They're ringing the bell but allowing ourselves to have the opportunities or the dreams or the wishes or whatever, have a chance to get to the door too. And then actually maybe, and this is what I try to do, is I try to let the opportunities, possibilities, dreams, wishes come in the door first. Yes. And I love the concept of talking about inviting an opportunity because actually I also find there's this bias and I hear it in conversations with my clients where they feel that if they tell me what they want, that they're limiting their opportunities, that they're limiting mm. possibilities. Because mm -hmm. if you never hone in on what you want, then you're leaving open space for what you could want. So we're mm. hedging our bets or thinking about if I get ice cream at that place, then what if there's a cake place up there that I really want? And I'll just focus on the fact that I don't want shoes. And I'm like, okay, but how, mm -hmm. <laughs> how is any of that serving you? And the answer is it isn't, but it's what feels safer to us to stay in a space mm -hmm. of, I can give you the laundry list of what I don't want because mm -hmm. then I'll make sure not to shut the door on anything I could possibly want in the future. Mm, absolutely. What I'm going to say is that's a learned behavior mm. as well, right? That, and you and I've talked about this, is that the world is an or, the world isn't an and, Yeah. right? And so if I pick ice cream, then I can't have cake. Yeah. But guess what? Yes, you can. Oh, absolutely. Yes, right? you can. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you can. And so if we can go in with the mindset of that, then we can embrace all of the opportunities. We can open our scope of vision. Oh my gosh, look at like the world truly is many oysters, not just one oyster, but many oysters, right? Yeah. And I can notice that, be aware of all of the opportunities, and then I can be discerning and I can say, which one would I like to eat first? Do you know what's coming up for me is when I think about yeah. this, I'm thinking about some limiting beliefs that might be at the undercurrent of what keeps us in I can only have one attitude, mm. such as I'm not allowed to have more than one. So write the or thing in there. I'm not worth having more than one. It's mm. wrong of me and shameful mm -hmm. of me to want more than mm -hmm. one thing. So I can want something, but it has mm -hmm. to be one thing and I can't be fickle because that's mm -hmm. irresponsible and mm -hmm. I can't change my mind and mm -hmm. I have to know things and I have to have them figured out. So you mentioned the word mm -hmm. mindset and in your experience and your opinion, what are some of the 
beliefs or mindsets that we can hold to help us stay more in an I want rather than an I don't want headspace. Mm. The mindset that comes to mind, haha, ha-ha. no pun intended. <laughs> Every pun right? intended. <laughs> Every pun intended is what we call a growth mindset. Right, Mm -hmm. which is a mindset that is open to possibilities, that is open to opportunities, that is open to being uncomfortable. And so pushing against maybe a little bit of that hesitation or a little bit of that or and leaning into bravery a little bit as well, encourage to say, I'm not going to do a swan dive here, but I am going to at least get a little more uncomfortable. And that's that's this growth mindset. There's a reason they're called growing pains is because it is a little uncomfortable and sometimes downright painful depending on where you are. And so if we practice, if we practice growth mindset, then it isn't, it's just uncomfortable. It's really not painful. Yes. And I love that you've just connected the words painful and uncomfortable because I was literally writing down painful to uncomfortable because the reality is it's more comfortable for us to say, I know what I don't want than to say, I don't know what I want. We Mm -hmm. don't like saying, I don't know. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It really Mm -hmm. freaks us out. And so Mm -hmm. we're so much happier to say, oh, I can't tell you what I want. Who can? Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. boy, do I know what I don't want. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. so we stay in the more comfortable space, which is the I know what I don't want, rather than Mm -hmm. going toward the discomfort of saying, I don't know what I want. And the problem is that if we never get to that phase of I don't know what I want, then we can't Mm -hmm. ever cross the bridge to I know what I want. We have to be willing to step beyond our comfort zone and get Mm -hmm. into that growth mindset. So I really love that you've brought Mm -hmm. this up so that we can Mm -hmm. grow beyond what we feel we know and go adventuring Mm -hmm. in the unknown for something that's going to serve us much more than staying in the knowns of don't wants. Oh, absolutely. But I think one of the things is to make it right so that it's not a trauma, so it's not excruciating pain, we can identify some of the things that are holding us back, right? Let's call them fears or uncertainties. We can identify them. We can name them because once they're named, Mm. then we know we, we have an idea of what we're up against. A lot of times when I'm working with my clients is that once I get it out there, once I can name it, then I have more power or control on what do I want to do with that? I mentioned that one of my dreams or one of my wants was to be in a community. And isn't it interesting that one of my fears I noticed was that people might not like me. But once I realized that was a fear of mine, I was able to kind of look at it and go, yeah, that's the truth. Some people aren't going to like you. (laughs) But I was able to say to myself, yeah, that's okay. You don't need all people to like you or, and you don't think it's possible for all people to not like you. So you can still have a meaningful community, I don't know, with a handful of people. It's reminding me of one of my favorite questions to ask my coaching clients when they are in don't want, can't have, whatever land, which is, if you knew you couldn't fail, what would you do? Or if you knew Mm. that you would get it, what would you dare to want? It's really hard to dismantle some of our fears. So naming them, acknowledging them is great. And getting that out on the table is awesome. And it's also sometimes faster to 
skirt around them for a hot second, just a hot second, mm-hmm. and project mm-hmm. yourself out. All right, now that I know what these land blocks are, let's just imagine I could magically, magic wand, remove them mm-hmm. or move around mm-hmm. them. What would be beyond that? It doesn't mean that we have to argue with the reality that those obstacles either are or are not there, because some of them might be very mm-hmm. real. As you said, there are going to be some people who don't like you. It just allows Mm -hmm. us to then connect to the bigger vision so that we can decide, okay, if I really want that, and that's the thing that is worth taking a stand for, is it worth the energy investment, the passion investment for me to get over these obstacles to get to that thing? And if not, then you can keep searching for what would be or find more creative ways to get around to these obstacles or go Mm -hmm. a different way. And so you're finding what you wanted in the connection and community allows you to say, is it worth my not going out there and taking any chances and giving up all hope of that connection because of this fear Mm -hmm. that maybe someone won't like me. And then you can make a conscious choice of what thing's going to serve you more. You talked about a really powerful tool called visualization, Mm. right? Where we visualize where we want to be. We don't visualize where we don't want to be. What the heck would we want to do that for? I'm not going to visualize myself all by myself, holed up in my house with no friends and no community, lonely and isolated. No, of course not. I'm going to visualize, like you said, what I want as though I was, quote unquote, my definition of successful. And it's a really great tool because it also helps us with languaging. The bottom line is that we can define and we do define, and this is where self-awareness also is really helpful, is how are we defining things, right? I was just talking to a client the other day and I said, I don't have success and failure in my vocabulary anymore Mm. because it really is too polarized and it doesn't serve me. And so I explained it this way. I said, you know, I asked her a couple of questions. I said, so tell me a time where you were really successful successful or you felt successful, your definition of successful. And she said, when I got my bachelor's degree and I said, great. And so why did you feel successful getting your bachelor's degree? And she said, because I learned the material and I was able to do some writings that were enough to get awarded a higher education degree, a bachelor's degree. And I said, okay, the one thing you highlighted was that you learned. So then I said, now tell me an example of a time where you felt that you weren't successful, that you failed. So she told me about a time where she was in a relationship that didn't work out. And so I said, oh, I said, did you learn anything in that relationship about the relationship, the person you were in the relationship yourself? And she said, yes. And I said, what you just told me, your definition of success was learning. And then she got therapized. (laughs) And then she got, right. And then she said, ooh, you're so tricky. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. when our clients love and hate us the most. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's, it's, it's an invitation that we all can accept, which is look at what we're telling ourselves. We talk a lot in therapy about negative self-talk. I'm going to argue that this is one of the fundamentals, is not looking at how we're defining things. And, and we have the power to define them in a way that makes us feel okay. And this word defining, I mean, defining in terms of languaging, but defining also brings back the word answers, right? The idea of feeling like we Mm. need to have answers. And this is probably Mm -hmm. one of the number one reasons I find that people don't get mental health support. (laughs) 
is because they feel like they need to have some sort of prerequisite of knowledge about themselves and answers and know who they're supposed to work with and have to go into Mm. it with a certain knowledge base already. I think it's amazing to work with people on defining what they want. Yes, I love my clients who come to me and they know what they want and they just need a little help getting out of their own way. But most of my clients are the ones who are brave enough to say, I don't know what I don't know, but I'm willing to try it out. And it's coming back to that experimenting mindset, right? This idea of rather than fixating so much on on these knowns and on the answers, opening ourselves up to opportunities also means opening ourselves up to learnings, which is why this is such a great example. Because if you remove failure and success from your narrative, then you give yourself space to tread into the unknown so much more freely because Mm. there's no success or failure there. There's just learning. Oh, yeah, I didn't really like that. Or, oh, yeah, I'd like to pursue that a little bit more. And it's when we give ourselves that grace that we can start to build momentum. And that momentum is what helps us refine what we want out of life. So it's that open curiosity paired with non-judgment, which is essentially what removing terms like success and failure does, (laughs) is removing judgment as well. Assessing the good and bad. Success and failure is just another way of saying good and bad for many of us. And that grace allows us to maintain momentum because all of that energy, and it is a lot of energy that we expend judging ourselves, Mm -hmm. goes toward curiosity about learnings, understanding what we're trying to get out of an experience so that we can then move forward to more fulfillment rather than more success. Being aware without judgment is the definition of mindfulness, right? Mm. What stops us dead in our tracks a lot of times is the fact that we, like you were saying, we attach a judgment. Get your head out of the clouds, right? When we're thinking about dreaming, we're thinking about all those messages. And this is why I think it's a learned behavior of not dreaming because We get told, get your heads out of the cloud, you're daydreaming, that's a bad thing, focus. Don't try to hope for things that aren't achievable and the world isn't, you don't get any oysters and all those other things, right? You know, so what if we just started practicing just being aware without any judgment? So if we bump into a fear, we just go, ha, hello. Yes. (laughs) Or we bump into a anxiety or we bump into a I don't not really know where to start. An uncertainty, right? That we just start anyways. Hi, Madeline here. And I'm just dropping in to say how grateful we are to be a part of your self-discovery journey. If you've found the tools, resources, and conversations that we've had on the Nomi podcast to be helpful, then we'd love for you to consider supporting us on Patreon. You can find all of our membership options on patreon.com forward slash Nomi. With just the cost of a cup of coffee, you help to support us do what we do best provide resources to help people feel more supported, and to contribute to a world where mental health matters. Thanks so much for listening. Let's get back to the episode. Every once in a while with a client, when they give me a, I don't, I am not this thing, or I don't want to be this thing rather than an I want or an I am. Sometimes it comes from a place of not knowing what they want to be (laughs) or not knowing the actual outcome they want to have, sure. But sometimes it also comes from knowing exactly how they are, but deeming that to be incorrect. And therefore they can't determine what they want because they don't want to admit that what they want is to just be themselves. 
It's just that they've labeled themselves mm. as wrong. And so this is another part of right. why self-awareness without judgment is so important because a lot of times the things that we might be running away from are pieces of ourselves that we're judging, but that are actually just fine. You can operate. Procrastination is not a bad thing. Like, honestly, where did we get the notion? <laughs> I know where we got the notion, yeah. but where did we get the notion yeah. that being someone who finishes something at the last minute is a bad thing? There are heaps of books mm -hmm. and studies about how creative minds tend to work better under pressure. So we've just evaluated mm -hmm. that's the irresponsible way of doing things, the wrong way of doing mm -hmm. things. And so then we spend so much of our energy trying to correct things about ourselves that just are because of self-judgment instead of blossoming in our strengths and mm -hmm. moving toward the things that we want to improve mm -hmm. or grow into out of a sense of our values versus our self-judgments. Which is exactly what we're bumping into and, and embracing in our retreat. Mm. You know, we're about to be in week number four of our seven-week retreat. And one of the things is that there's so many aha moments because we are not trained, we are not exposed, we are not enlightened to this, this way of thinking, this mm. way of approaching ourselves with this unjudged self-awareness that all of our parts, all of us is good. It, we can put it in, if we got buckets, right? We could put it in the good enough bucket. Just because other people have different things in their good enough bucket doesn't mean that our good enough bucket needs to be a not good enough bucket. I started thinking this way in my 40s, right? I felt choices. I felt in my 40s that I actually could be me. I gave myself permission, which is really interesting. And then in my 50s, I decided to be a counselor and decided one of the reasons I wanted to be a counselor is I wanted to help give other people permission, maybe before their 40s. And that's what you do with coaching. And that's what coaching does is it gives people permission because they're asking the questions to think about this stuff, mm. to have this new way of being aware of self. And this is the core skill, right? In any coaching relationship. I think about this a lot because a lot of coaches will niche down and trying to get into particular sectors. And I love helping people reach that foundational level of self-awareness. That's one of my sweet spots with clients, which is why mm. I said I love people who come to me and say, I don't know what I want. I don't know what's going on. I feel like I've always wanted to try something like this, but I have no idea how it would help me. And so there's like that perfect combo of people who are brave and curious, but still uncertain. Cause I'm like, you've just, you've done the hardest part. And then the rest of it is conversations. And one of the things that mm. twigged for me is a big part of why these skills don't come up. There's a number of reasons why lack of education, lack of systemic education on these things, lack of prioritization of mental health, et cetera. But there's also lack of resources and access to these types of conversations in our daily lives. And so then what ends up happening, we talk about locus of our control, right? We can't control our environments. And as much as it would be great if we could all go out there and find that amazing friend to be able to have these conversations with, some of us don't have access to that. And so how can we start having these conversations with ourselves? And this is what I think would be really cool to talk about with some tools of what are some exercises you can do with yourself to tease out I wants and to tease out I ams and to step into that section. So how can we start to introduce right. these conversations within our, our own locus of control, within our space, whether journaling or voice memos or reflection or meditation? 
situation. And so you had a really great exercise that we spoke about while we were prepping for the podcast about three wishes. Can you tell us about that one? I visualize that I am Aladdin and I have this magic lamp and I get to have three wishes. And I think I, I remember playing this game when I was a kid. And then for some reason, I didn't play the game anymore until, like I told you, my 40s. So we have to know or an idea or a dream of what we want. So we can create three wishes. We rub our lamp and what would be the three wishes? And we're not allowed to say, I would like three more wishes. <laughs> hey, but don't put your rules allowed. on our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You can have as many w wishes as you want. If you're clever enough to say, I'd like three more, then the more the merrier. I think identifying as many wants as we can is a helpful thing. Yeah. And so here's a great example is a lot of times when you hear three wishes, oh, I'd wish to have all the money I'd ever need in the world. So if you find yourself coming to these answers or any answers, dig into why, what yes. would that enable you to do? If you were to have all right. the money in the world, right? What would you do with your time? How would you spend? And this is the thing is sometimes the wishes are super coherent, right? I want to become a therapist so that I can help others. Sometimes they're a little bit more of just like general wishes that help us break beyond the constraints of what we feel. And so saying something like, I wish I had all the money in the world is because we feel like money or a lack of money constrains us from being able to do the things that we want to do and be the people that we want to be. So if those mm -hmm. things come to mind, think about, okay, if I had blank, what would that open up for me? What opportunities would that yield mm -hmm. to me? If I had infinite money, if I had infinite time, if I was never going to die, what would be the end results, like what makes that so important to how I would then go on to live my life. And that's how we can really mm -hmm. get to the rich strengths and values and underpinnings of what makes us tick. Yeah. That's why I think it's really helpful to start with three, because then you can really, like you were saying, get to the meat of what you really want. Because sometimes our wants, if they're really lofty or they're really, really encompassing, I want world peace. That's a great thing to want, but how are you going to be empowering yourself to be an agent of change so that there is maybe some movement in world peace. So then you get down to, I really feel I want to be a role model for conflict resolution. And so maybe for a job, I would like to be a mediator, uh, or maybe I would like to learn another language. The opportunities with that lofty thing are even branch out to more right? Dreams and wants and... Yes. Yeah. And this is coming to what I really... I was pressuring her before we started recording this, that she was going to say this thing, but I'm going to say it for her and she's going to add context, which is that the universe does not know the language of don't wants. And what you've just said is a beautiful illustration of how we can keep our opportunity, the door to opportunity wide open and keep an endless and abundant and infinite source of opportunities that are focused to our special sauce of what makes our lives fulfilling. Thank you for raising that really interesting point. It's been one of my guiding principles since I started on this journey for myself 
is there was a book called The Secret. It was talking about, and I think even Wayne Dyer did some books about the power of intention, right? Mm -hmm. Or the law of attraction. It's been called lots of different things, but basically how I boil it down is the universe doesn't understand the word don't. So all it hears is want. So it's really important that we that we tell the universe what we want rather than what we don't want. If I say something like, I don't want to gain any more weight, and I put that out in the universe, and then a week later, I've gained a pound, I look at that and I'm saying, okay, because I didn't have a roadmap of what I wanted. So if I had said, I want, right, to lose a pound, then maybe I would say, okay, I what are th some things I know about losing a pound? And I might go down my laundry list of increasing my water. So I'm focused on that. And then I'm focused on, oh, more fruits and vegetables. So I'm going to focus on that. Oh, moving my body. So I'm going to focus on that. And right. And so I have some maybe five or six things that are going to probably get me closer to losing a pound or maintaining my weight. I want that than what I did before. I don't want to gain weight because all the universe heard and my brain heard, my nice, beautiful machine heard is I don't want and it hurt. I want to gain weight. Oh, okay. There's a brownie. Go for it. I'm probably not doing anything differently to promote this outcome. And metaphor that comes to mind is, is if you imagine you put someone in the middle of the forest and you said, don't get eaten by a tiger. Mm -hmm. Don't get eaten by a tiger. That's your only goal is not to get eaten by a tiger. Mm -hmm. That person is going to sit in the center of the forest, absolutely terrified, vigilantly looking for a tiger. If you put that person, same person in the middle of a forest, and instead of saying, don't get eaten by tiger, you say, enjoy resting in the beautiful outdoors. That person is going to be looking up at the stars and acknowledging the sound of the trees and yeah, okay, there might be things in the forest that could potentially harm the person, but that's not what their attention is. Does it mean that they wouldn't be able mm -hmm. to protect themselves if a tiger did walk out of the forest? No, they can absolutely be resilient and resourceful and call things to be mm -hmm. that they need at the time, but they don't spend all of that energy focusing on the what could happen. It is so much more energy because it's so much more stress and fear and anxiety coming from the don't get eaten by a tiger. Maybe that person hates camping either way, but they might enjoy themselves a lot better if they're focused on the energy they can draw from something rather than the fear of something bad happening to them all the time. And so when we think about what's going on in our brains, when we talk about judging ourselves, when we talk about fear, when we talk about hedging our bets, decluttering your mind to create space for I wants comes with shifting our attention away from the things that are draining our energy and toward the things that are going to energize us a lot more. I see it time and time again. People's don't want lists or their fears or whatever you want to call it, their, their self-imposed limitations are much longer and they have them all stored right front and center. So if you've got your whole front seat filled with all your don't wants, there's no room for the wants. So that's why I'm not saying ignore them. 
I'm just saying, like you said, declutter. So aside from lions and tigers and bears, oh my, we have talked about (laughs) a lot of things in this episode so far. And so I'm just going to give like a little rapid fire recap of what's happened. One, we talked a lot about how we can become more aware of this habit that we form in the first place. Mom, as you said in the beginning, our negative bias is the first thing to show up to the party. It's always going to show up to the party. It's one of those guests that whenever you invite them, they're going to RSVP yes. Knowing that, you can prepare yourself accordingly, get them settled in quickly, and then move back on to hosting all of the other things that are available to you. So that first step of just awareness of the habit is really key because it allows us to then move forward. And we talked all about how we can recognize that in ourselves and kind of why we go toward our don't wants in the first place. So taking a peek at some of our belief systems that are underneath, taking a peek at some of the language that we have. So analyzing and redefining what words we want to use in order to talk about our lives and our dreams and ourselves. And we also talked about how to actually skirt around some of the obstacles we see in front of us through visualization, through asking ourselves, what would we do if? So these what if questions. And one of the big what if exercises that we discussed was this three wishes, right? So if you could just have anything that your dream, that your heart desires, what would you want for yourself? What would those wishes be? And then taking each wish and understanding the impact it would have on you and the possibilities and opportunities that it can open for you when we invite in that I want energy rather than focusing on the fearful tigers of I don't want. So that is a whistle-stop tour of everything. Mom, is there anything else you want to add? Nope. I think that about sums it up. I just would say, let's get started, right? The sooner we can undo the automatic pilot that we have or the habit that we have of the don't want list and create our want list, the sooner the better. Yes, absolutely. Which just leads me to believe, what if you just woke up every morning this week and wrote what you wanted that day, just one thing? And it could be as simple as, I want a cup of coffee. (laughs) There we go. Yeah. And then why? Because it tastes good, right? Because it it makes me feel warmth and and comfort and then a jolt of caffeine. Yeah. (laughs) Because it makes it easier to talk to people in the morning. Yes. Absolutely. All right. So if we have nothing else to add, that was plenty already. So would you like to end us with a quote, Mom? So today's quote is by Ben Sweetland. The world is full of abundance and opportunity, but far too many people come to the fountain of life with a sieve instead of a tank car and a teaspoon instead of a steam shovel. And I'll just add, the more you can expect from life, the more you will receive. So create that long want list. You might remember from our last podcast episode that we are offering something very special. For the first 10 people who submit our next podcast topics, we will be sending you a free tote bag. They're really nice tote bags. They're designed with our little Nomi beans on them. They're so cute. And so you definitely want one to be able to show everyone that one, you listen to the Nomi podcast and two, you know yourself. That'll be, that's such a good flex. Don't you want that? So go to nomi.coach forward slash podcast where you can submit a topic of course you can also get in touch with us directly and all of that is in the show notes and we are so grateful to have had some time with you today until next time be well 
That brings us to the end of this episode. We hope our conversation provides some insight and practical ways to navigate and understand you. If you have found our show to be helpful, please pass it along. Madeline and I are hoping you will join us in creating a ripple effect of mental health and well-being. As always, thanks for listening to the Nomi Podcast. This is Cynthia and Madeline asking you to be good to you.